Hey guys, it's Ed, and I am coming to you live. Uh, I realize that Will and I have been a little uh, more sporadic uh, in recent weeks with uh, with new episodes. Uh, we apologize for that. We are working on a huge deep dive for you guys uh, that should be coming um, in the next week or so. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Um, and so for today, we are going to talk about some of the gossip behind the songs. Now, I know what you're thinking. I spoiled it right in the title. And you're right, I did. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) You know, I love me a good spoiler. (laughs) Unless it's in a romantic relationship, darlings. (laughs) So... Let's just dive right into this. Uh, The first song we're going to talk about is Perfume by Britney Spears. It was off her Britney and Jean album. And it's one of the last ballads um, that I can find that she released. Um, It seems like after that she went um, and and started doing a lot more... uh, uh, I don't want to call it techno, but definitely uh, EDM. Um... And and all that. So, uh, perfume is actually very special. Um, Just like with uh, Every Time, uh, it's about a relationship. Uh, This time, though, instead of it being about suicidal thoughts after a breakup, uh, it's about her wanting every other girl to know about the man um, that they're with, that she was with him and whatever. So, there's a little bit of a sordid story about this. Uh, Will, when I pitched it to Will, he loved it because it was very current um, and it's um, it's kind of indicative of the kind of life that Brittany has been leading uh, these past uh, 13, 14 years now. So... <laughs> Brittany had been dating her conservator, uh, and I believe he was her agent, uh, Jason Trawick. Uh, and things were so serious that at one point they were actually engaged. And, you know, they were a power couple. Things actually seemed to be going very well. And then they weren't. So, behind the scenes... Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but Jason was drawing a paycheck both as her agent and as her conservator. And he asked for a raise. And he fully expected Papa Spears to approve it because, you know, he was... He was really... um, permeating every part of Britney's life. Uh, He was very... Uh, very active in her career uh, as her fiance. Uh, he was uh, very much in the decision making for her personal life. Uh, and, you know, it just all seemed to be too good to be true. Uh, you know, Brittany had her guy uh, after the uh, very public breakup with. Just, uh, Justin Timberlake. Um, and then uh, the divorce with Kevin Federline where basically he tried to soak her for all she was worth and her breakdown. Um, it, it finally seemed like she had come to a place where she was happy and and ready to take on life's new challenges with a new husband. Well, Jason went and asked for that raise that we talked about. Uh, and Papa Papa Spears refused it. And suddenly, Jason no longer wanted to be Britney's fiancé. Jason no longer wanted to be her agent or her conservator. Uh, and so the break was really... It was, a, it was a very clean break on his part. He cut, cut everything completely off. 
and moved on very quickly with a new girl. Now, uh, certain, uh, certain circles definitely believe that uh, he had already been uh, cheating on Brittany with these other women, particularly the girl that he, went, he eventually went public with. Uh, there is no concrete evidence that he cheated, although um, the lyrics in uh, Perfume certainly seem to indicate that uh, Brittany knew that he was seeing other women and was not pleased by it. Um, and not only that, but she wanted him to uh, know that she knew, uh, which is a really... Um, I, I almost want to say like diva esque way of of doing this. Um, you know, there there's definitely something to be said for for how Brittany. Um, there's definitely something to be said for how Brittany handled it. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> if, if that was any of us. I don't think we would have handled it much differently. <laughs> um, you know, there's... There's definitely something to be said for it. Uh, Bernie co-wrote the, the song. Um, and I think she actually wrote or co-wrote most of the songs on Brittany Jean. Um, which is why it was called her most personal album yet. Uh, but... Um, you know, I, I also think that, you know, just when you, when you love somebody and then you find out that they're sleeping with someone else, especially if you agree to be monogamous, that's a huge, uh, betrayal. And I, you know, I listened to the song afterwards, um, and knowing the story behind it, it's more... There's more melancholy behind it. Uh, I've always thought it was a very sad song, but it was also always one of my favorites. Um, so, uh, listening to it with the context of Jason uh, cheating on her and then abandoning her when uh, he couldn't get more money, uh, it, there's just such a... I, first of all, he's just sleazy. Um, but it, there's such a sadness behind the song now. I'm going to have a really hard time listening to it the same way. Uh, like I said, though, it is one of my favorite Britney songs because, uh, you know, first of all, she just really sings on it. And and secondly, um, just knowing the pain that she was going through. And the pain that she's still going through with her conservatorship, right? Um, you know... Uh, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely something to be, uh, said for her being mistreated, uh, by her father and others who have acted as her conservators. I'm gonna take a break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. So, I wanted to follow up one legend with another, uh, from... The legendary Miss Britney Spears to the legendary and living icon Miss Dolly Parton. Now, I just want you guys to know um, the process I went through with this. Um, Dolly Parton has a lot of songs, a lot of iconic songs, um, particularly uh, I Will Always Love You. Uh, and I've written about I Will Always Love You before, uh, and I had really thought about, um, I had really thought about, uh, talking about it and the, and the story and the gossip be behind it, uh, but ultimately, I felt like the story of Jolene fit in a little bit better with, um, with everything, including, uh, um, following up with... Uh, being the follow-up to the Britney Spears uh, perfume segment. So, Jolene by Dolly uh, 
everyone knows it. Everyone has heard it. Uh, you know, I there was one day uh, Will and I were hanging out together. <laughs> Literally, that song followed us around. Every single place we went was playing it. Um, and it, it was just really funny. Um, but I don't think a lot of people know uh, the story behind the song. So the name Jolene comes from a little girl. Dolly Parton was having a concert. Uh, and she spotted this cute little girl who couldn't have been more than five, I believe. So she called the little girl up on stage with her and asked her her name. And the little girl told her, Jolene. And so Dolly started singing the chorus, to, or the chorus to what would be, eventually become uh, the song Jolene. And she told the little girl that one day there was going to be a song with her her name as the title. And true to her word, Dolly began writing the song. There was um, a woman who worked at a bank who would always flirt with her husband. You know, show a little cleavage, flirt a little too much, and, and that sort of thing. Well, Dolly's husband came home and would tell her about it, and, you know, he was always very flattered and whatever, as I think most people would. Man or woman, you can't tell me you wouldn't be flattered if someone flirted with you. Uh, and, you know, gay men, you can't tell me you wouldn't be flattered if a, if a woman flirted with you. Lesbians, you can't tell me you wouldn't be flattered if if a man flirted with you. Now, when I say flirting, I'm not talking, like, cat calls or anything, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm talking more about, like, you know, hey, you look good in that shirt. Or you look very nice today. Not anything egregious like what we've seen some, some people do. Um, you know, it, it, but it is very flattering when someone tells you you look good. It, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Um, you know the deal. Sound off. Um, Facebook author Ed Anderson. Uh, Instagram author Ed Anderson. Twitter uh, at author Ed A. Uh, Clubhouse at author Ed Anderson. That's right, people. I'm on Clubhouse now. <laughs> um, but anyways, sound off. Let me know what you think about people flirting with you. Uh, but so Dolly started to feel very insecure. Um, she worried that her husband was going to leave her. Which seems laughable, right? Like, Dolly Parton is probably one of the most, if not the most loved woman in the world uh, today. Uh, and it, it it seems really incomprehensible that... Anybody would leave her. Uh, you know, even if this other woman was, you know, very attractive and, you know, a minx or a femme fatale, it just seems unbelievable that Dolly had anything to worry about, uh, to be honest. But she was worried and, you know, I get it. And so she ended up writing the song... And it didn't take her that long to write. And when she played it for her record label, they were really, really skeptical. But she fought for it. And she kept fighting for it. And eventually they relented and were like, fine, go ahead. And it obviously became a massive hit. One of her most recognized uh, and beloved songs um, and her husband went to her afterwards and said, were you really concerned that I was going to leave for this woman? I only told you that she was flirting with me because I wanted you, I wanted to be upfront with you. I didn't want you to think that I was going to, you know, chase, chase her around. You know, I don't chase skirts. And Dolly admitted that, yes, she was insecure and, and that she was really concerned. And again, I think 
I, I think to this... <coughs> how, how courageous, how brave, you know, how wonderful it is that Dolly not only shared all of this with the world... But she she let us see that beautiful, rich, wonderful women, wonderful people are just as insecure as we are. You know, it, it it's one thing like to walk around and you know you see like the Christy Brinkleys or the um, Kim Kardashians who don't seem to have a care in the world. But then you have someone so raw and so real admit to you, admit to their fans, admit to everybody that they feel some type of way about someone flirting with their partner, with their spouse. And it makes you realize that... You know, uh, for lack of a better way of saying this, they really are just like us. Stars really do. Really are. Just like we are. Um, you know, it is... Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where... I don't know, I just... It's so encouraging. Um... And it's so... It's so wonderful just to know, like, hey, it's okay to feel insecure sometimes because even Dolly Parton feels it. Um, Alright. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And so far in this episode, we've talked about uh, men behaving badly... Well, mostly men behaving badly uh, and the women writing songs about it. But we're going to continue on that streak. (laughs) I didn't really think we weren't. (laughs) Um, The next song we're going to talk about is Never Again by Kelly Clarkson from the My December album. Um, But I want to give you guys a little bit of background because... The making of My December um, is even more dramatic than the song itself. Um, So I'm just going to give you a quick overview. Kelly Kelly Clarkson, of course, won American Idol uh, and was given a record contract. Uh, Thankful was the first album from that. Uh, Breakaway was the second with Breakaway, she became the best-selling female artist in the world. And the record label actually wanted her to continue along the streak of really poppy, really um, earworm-friendly songs. Kelly, however, was going through a breakup and had written and recorded an entire album um, that was very rock-heavy that she thought would... Um, you know, show her artistic abilities. A fight ensued between uh, Clive Davis and Kelly Clarkson. Uh, This was not their first battle, and it certainly would not be their last battle. Um, But, um, this was one where Kelly really showed how business savvy she is. So, essentially, she recorded the album um, you know, it went through all of the various stages, uh, and the entire time, uh, Clive Davis knew. Uh, now, why he suddenly opposed it, no one is quite sure. Uh, but he he told Kelly that the record label was not going to release it, it was going to go in the bin, and she needed to record the album that uh, he had been putting together for her. She said, no way. She said, you have a uh, first right of refusal for this. Uh, but if you refuse it, I am going to shop it to another 
record label. And just like that, the mic dropped. <coughs> um, eventually, Clive backed down and said that he would release My December, but there was going to be no promotion behind it at all. And he lived up to his word. Uh, and it still sold very well. Uh, so, uh, there, there were no massive hits from the album. Uh, but... Uh, it was very therapeutic for Kelly, uh, and it definitely did show her artistic range, uh, and I believe it won a couple of Grammys, so, eat it, Clive, Clive Davis, <laughs> um, okay, so, <laughs> moving into Never Again, uh, the song is, uh, about a guy who... Dumps his girlfriend and marries a trophy wife. Uh, and unshockingly, uh, this very much mirrored what happened with, with Kelly. She had been dating a man named David Hodges, who was a member of the band Evanescence. Um, they had been on tour and all that, and they seemed to, their relationship seemed okay. Um, one night when they were together, uh, Kelly had just mentioned, like, hey, I want to get married, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, everything I've read said it was more like a not right this second type thing, but down the road, this is something I want. Um, and given, uh, David's, given David's, uh, evangelical background... Um, she really assumed that that's what he wanted as well. Um, and he never actually said he didn't want it. He said uh, that he just didn't want to do it right this second. Which, again, was fine with Kelly. She was like, cool. <clears throat> well, then she was out on the road again and got a... And got a note from him basically ending the relationship. And she found out uh, through some mutual friends that he had gone and married someone from his church. uh, Who was younger than he was. uh, Blonde, very pretty. uh, And so she was very angry. Um, You know, she... She had invested so much time and and, and emotions into this relationship that she tore into him uh, through through song. What really rubbed salt in the wound, though, was that he had the audacity to kind of rub her face in it, like, you know, look, I'm married now and I'm whatever. (laughs) Um, Which just continue to eat away at Kelly and uh, fuel her anger. So, uh, Kelly was in Texas uh, one night, or one day, uh, and this story is a little hazy. Um, She had written most of Never Again, (laughs) Um, but there was something missing from it, and she couldn't figure out what. Uh, so she's out and about um, with friends, and she runs into David's new wife. And David's new wife tries to apologize to her, and you know says, you know, I'm I'm a big fan. And Kelly's like, fuck you. Um, some sources actually say she 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 did use um, she did say fuck you. Other sources say that's not quite how the exchange went down. Um, you know, Kelly was very cold and said, thank you. Um, I prefer to think of Kelly as saying, fuck you. <laughs> That's just me. Um, but upset, she went home, tore up what she had for Never Again, rewrote it, and recorded it. And um, it became the biggest hit off of my December. Uh, and is very, very... Um, very much considered 
to be um, one of her classics, uh, even if it didn't, uh, even if it didn't chart as well as, um, you know, since you've been gone, I do not hook up, um, uh, I'm miss- I'm missing another one of her big songs, but you know what I'm t- you know what I'm talking about. Like, it may not have been like this big massive hit, uh, but in any essential collection you of of Kelly Clarkson's, you will find Never Again because it is a uh, very encompassing of um the kind of things she likes to do. Uh, and you know, with Meaning of Life, uh, her her latest um her latest album. She she completely flipped from pop pop slash rock to uh, very soul and very R and B and um, one of the critics that I I read said uh, mentioned Never Again by name. He said you know she went from real poppy uh, ear warmy stuff to hard rock over to um, to some more pop and then of course meaning of life. Uh, it was a Christmas album in there for good measure because Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I am back. And we're continuing our streak of men behaving badly. <laughs> um, yeah, with the exception of Dolly's husband, um, what I learned in, all, in most of my research is men are dogs. Um, which you would think I would have known that already, but not so much. <laughs> so, <coughs> let's get into talking about Gaslighter by the Chicks. Um, for those of you who are not aware, um, or maybe uh, you missed the news somehow, or whatever, uh, the Chicks are the band formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Um, they had been, for quite a while, uh, they had been looking to change the name of the group, um, as they became more aware of how, um, Dixie was perceived as being racist. Um, they had been wanting to, to drop it and change their name, but they really hadn't had an apt uh, time or way to do it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, with the racial unrest and everything in 2020, uh, they were they were given uh, uh, ample uh, ample opportunity uh, to to change it and kind of relaunch themselves. Gaslighter, the album, is their first album in 14 years. Um, The last one uh, had been released in 2006, I believe. Um, And it was all in response to uh, the controversy surrounding them uh, with with the, the fallout from them saying that they were embarrassed. Or I should say Natalie Maine saying she was embarrassed. Uh, that George W. Bush was from Texas. <clears throat> um, Gaslighter was meant to uh, reposition them as queens of country and uh, solidify their position as a major force. And it did. Um, despite them not charting, charting on country charts, uh, Gaslighter actually did very well um, in terms of sales and um, the song performed admirably, and so did Sleep at Night. Uh, but we're going to talk about the song Gaslighter. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Natalie Means was married to uh, actor Adrian Pastar. Uh, they met at Natalie, Natalie's bandmate's wedding, and they hit it off. And less than a year later, they they themselves got married. And it is believed that Adrian was cheating on uh, Natalie even before they got married. 
uh, some stories and uh, some sources said that it is 100% believed uh, that they agreed to have an open relationship, uh, given that when they met uh, in 1999, the Dixie Chicks, or the Chicks, I should say, were at the top of their game and touring a lot. And Adrian was always at location because he was uh, a very popular actor at the time. Uh, However, there's nothing to back this up. Uh, And my LA source says that uh, Adrian is the one who basically put out there that there was some sort of open relationship agreement between him and Natalie uh, in that as far as he knows uh, that's not true and I think we can go with that (laughs) Um, the marriage lasted uh, for uh, 15 or 16 years and uh, towards the end Things were starting to get really bad between the two. Uh, They were constantly fighting. Uh, Natalie pointed out that even without her touring uh, and uh, bringing in a ton of money, she was still the main breadwinner. Her her income level was still way above his. Uh, Now, Adrian didn't like this very much. And the two actually spent a few weeks not speaking at all. So, one night the tablets caught a picture of one of Adrian's co-stars leaving his hotel room. When Natalie found out about it, she confronted him and he said that there was an innocent explanation as to what happened. He was simply rehearsing like any good actor. And when Natalie (coughs) called bullshit, uh, another argument ensued. And he kept telling her that she wasn't seeing what she thought she was seeing, that he was not some sort of playboy, and he was not out there cheating on her. Now, I just want to go on record as saying... In court papers, Adrian does not deny cheating at all, uh, which I think is very interesting. So, uh, as as uh, things kind of went, uh, Natalie kind of stopped believing what she was seeing with her own eyes and was like, okay, you know, maybe maybe I should listen to him. We've been married for a very long time, you know. Why would he risk why would he risk losing everything? And one day she um this is a little unclear how she got how she got his phone. But essentially she was going through his phone And found that he had sent that same co-star dick pics. When she confronted him, he said that she was blowing it out of proportion that he had meant to send those dick pics to her. However, the co-star had sent naked pictures back in which he had made very lewd comments. uh, And, you know, comments that cannot be mistaken for, um, for being anything other than... Uh, uh, sexual in nature. Um, and the co-star did not look like Natalie, so there could be no, uh, um, there could be, you know, no mistaking uh, the two bodies. Uh, with this, she filed for divorce. And at the time, uh, Emily Strayer and... Um, and the other bandmate, her name escapes me, um, currently, but they, you know, they were obviously supporting their friend, and they, uh, they were getting ready to embark on the tour, 
And they were talking about possibly releasing another album. And Natalie really fought back and she was like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Um, But eventually her friends made her realize that it would be very therapeutic and they would be there with her. So she wrote Gaslighter. Adrian saw a draft of it, ran to his attorney, and begged his attorney to get an injunction to stop them from recording and or releasing this the song. Uh, the judge heard arguments on both sides and ultimately ruled in Natalie's favor that um, that since Adrian hadn't denied cheating, um, there was no way to actually draw the connection between Adrian and uh, the song, if there even was one. Uh, interestingly enough, he did not ask about the inspiration behind the song, at least that I could see. Um, so an injunction was denied. <clears throat> they recorded it and took it to their record label, who loved it, um, and asked them to build a whole, uh, build a whole album around uh, this concept, which they did. Uh, and and of course, the song was a big hit um, for them, especially after self-imposed uh, decade plus absence. Uh, and the album did very well again with, you know under the consideration that it had been more than um, more than a decade since they had released any kind of new music or anything of that sort. <clears throat> so I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. And with this one, we're going to kind of deal with men behaving badly. Um, but we're also going to kind of move to a more... Um, autobiographical um, stance, which sounds weird for me to say because obviously all of these have been really um, autobiographical and and the stories behind them have been really interesting, Uh, but what I mean more here is it's not necessarily romantic. Um, Of course, uh, we're dealing with Adele here, so there is uh, definitely some romance, Uh, but um, the song Inspiration was not necessarily the romantic part. It was uh, more the breakup part and, and things that happened um, after the breakup. So let's get into it, shall we? We are going to talk about Rolling in the Deep by Adele. <coughs> um, so, first and foremost, at this point in time, um, before the album that would be called 21... Um, was released, Adele had been dating a dude. Um, I've not been able to get uh, very clear on what his name was, so we're just going to call him the dude. Um, but he, she had had some success with her fir- first album, 19. It had sold really well in the UK, uh, and it had performed moderately well here in the States. Um, nothing like what we would see, um, in 21, or, or I believe the next one was called 25. Um, but it performed well enough that people were, you know, the, the executives at the record labels were happy. So, she was working on what would eventually become 21. And uh, the guy she had been with was found to have been cheating on her. And she broke it off with him. And, you know, it was sad. And she started writing. um, I believe the breakup actually produced um, Someone Like You. uh, and, And possibly even set fire to the rain. Um, but it was his actions afterwards that kind of really, um, 
turn things into a shit show. So, uh, he had been enjoying a very lavish lifestyle as the boyfriend of Adele. You know, uh, like I said, 19 did well enough. Uh, You know, she was making money. It's not as if she was broke or anything of that sort. She had money coming in. She had, um, you know, a, a, a nice life. And he wanted to continue his lavish lifestyle until he found another rich girlfriend. So after their breakup, he tried to blackmail her. Uh, allegedly, they had participated in threesome uh, and other various kink, uh, kinky sex. And he figured that there's no way she would want her audience or her fans to know about this. As it turned out, Adele's not one to fuck with. So she... He had threatened to go to the tabloids if she didn't give him money. Uh, And what he really wanted was a monthly allowance. Uh, Just to, you know, always have that cash coming in. And... Adele said, you know what? No, I'm not paying you. Go to hell. And he said, fine, I'm going to go to the tabloids, and they're going to pay me. And we, everyone kind of assumes here that he was trying to call her bluff and trying to uh, scare her. Adele honestly turned it around on him and said, you know what? Go to the tabloids, please. And I'm going to tell your mother and and other people in your life who, you know, they, they see you as this good Christian boy. Exactly what we did. So he he went to the he went to the tabloid. Uh the tabloid ended up calling Adele and asking for a comment. Uh she denied his version of, of events. And after that call, she hung up and called his mother and told his mother to look in his closet. In the closet, she found, the mother found, strap-ons, dildos, and other sex toys. Uh, Which completely, obviously, was traumatizing um, for any mother to find. Uh, But, uh, Adele... Uh, confidentially told some people uh, when she was in New York that this guy was not she said not necessarily straight we're not trying to out anyone we don't know for a fact that he's bi or gay or anything of that sort so I want to make that clear up front Um, but apparently uh, he loved being pegged And he loved it when they used sex toys on one another. Now, you know, couples that plays together stays together. Something I truly believe. Uh, uh, But, you know, I don't necessarily want other people to know what I'm doing in the bedroom. Know what I mean? Um, So... Um, there's, uh, uh, there's part of Rolling in the Deep where she says, um, um, go ahead and sell me out and I'll lay your shit bare. That, that part of the song was inspired by this situation. I mean, the song as a whole was inspired by, um, by this whole situation, but... Um, the blackmail part um, specifically led to the creation of those lyrics, um, which then, of course, ballooned out into uh, one of her biggest hits ever. Um, and, you know, she's living the good life now. Uh, she's single. She's happy. 
Um, her fans are begging her for new music. It's been six years, Adele. We need some new music from you. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't care if you call the album 31 or... This is my last album. Just give us some new music already. You know, everyone else is worried about Rihanna. I'm over here worried about some Adele. Um, so, so yeah, that's, um, that's the story of Rolling in the Deep, and I'm gonna go bleach my brain now, because I don't want to have to picture, (laughs) I don't want to have to picture Adele using sex toys on her boyfriend, and now we all have to share that together. I'll be right back. And I'm back. <clears throat> so, let us talk about Miss Taylor Swift. Now, y'all knew we couldn't do a gossip behind the song without talking about Taylor Swift, right? Like, that's just not a thing that can happen. <laughs> um, and again, just like with Dolly, there are a lot of songs that we could have chosen for Taylor Swift. Um... We are never ever getting back together, allegedly about her uh, breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal, Uh, Dear John about her losing her virginity to John Mayer uh, and the shitty way he treated her afterwards, Um, uh, Gorgeous from the same album that uh, the song we're actually going to talk about. Allegedly about her meeting a new boyfriend, Joe, Joe Alwyn, uh, while dating uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. <coughs> um, but we chose, Will and I both chose Look What You Made Me Do from Reputation by Taylor Swift. Uh, because I think it has one of the more compelling stories. Uh, and I kind of liked that it wasn't all romantic. Um, Actually, there's nothing romantic about this one, uh, which kind of um, spoke to me in a way. So, first of all, um, for those of you who don't know, Look What You Made Me Do is about her feud with Kanye West. Um, In typical Taylor fashion, it's, it's an open secret... Uh, there are plenty of clues and plenty of, um, plenty of everything to, to, to support this, this theory. Um, but, you know, Taylor herself has acknowledged that, uh, this was about her feud with, with Kanye West and his, uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, Kim Kardashian. So, very, uh, I I was going to say very succinctly, but this is going to be long because this is a mess of a a situation. Taylor and Kanye had feuded going all the way back to when she won Best Video um, for You Were Meant For Me. And Kanye felt that Beyonce had been robbed, uh, that Beyonce had been robbed and she deserved uh, the MTV Award. <clears throat> um, there were little snippets and little fires back and forth. Uh, and both of them acknowledged, like, sometimes you just don't get along with people. And they were in this camp. They, would, they were never going to get along. But, you know, they didn't... Uh, they also both acknowledged that they didn't appeal to the same... Fan base, which you know sounds pretty much to me like uh, you know we can we can live in our separate worlds without always being uh, nasty to and about one another. Except that's not really how it went. So. Um, 
they had allegedly they had wrapped up their feud and they were done with it. Um, some sometime around twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Um, right around the time when she was starting to feud with Katy Perry. Um, that might have started a little bit before him, but when that feud really took hold. Um, and so Kanye was, had been writing a song called Famous. And he called Taylor and uh, Kim Kardashian recorded it without Taylor's knowledge. And Kanye played part of uh, part of the song for her. And Taylor did acknowledge that it was a bop and that she liked it. Uh, and she even laughed when he brought her up. Um, the, the exact line is something, um, something like, I still think me and Taylor are going to have sex. I made her famous. That's the line she heard. At some point in the, uh, at some point in the uh, creative process, that line changed to, "I made that bitch famous," which Taylor objected to. Uh, and Taylor went out in in public and said, "Like, hey, that not cool." Well, Kanye West was pissed because he expected her support, seeing as he had let her hear it. And this is where things get a little dicey, a little interesting. Because, you know, she's, she's pissed. You know, she's like, you ain't gonna do this. You ain't gonna call me a bitch. Well, Kim Kardashian released the video and seemingly everyone turned on Taylor Swift. Well, being the little minx that she is, she took the scandal. She took it in stride. And she waited and waited and waited. And after about four or five months, she released the full video, or the I should say the full video was released, where it came out, she actually didn't hear the full lyrics. So everyone who had been ganging up on her were, were kind of given like, oh shit. Um, and so, she, she had already started writing, um, Reputation, um, because, you know, obviously when someone is very successful, um, for as long as she has been, there's bound to be backlash. Um, we've seen it with Britney, we've seen it with, uh, Christina Aguilera, who never really came back from the backlash, um... We've seen it with Lady Gaga, who um, did an interesting thing and um, stopped worrying about sales and started focusing on awards. Um, and then with Chromatica, came back uh, to the mass uh, mass population. <laughs> um, Taylor, I think Taylor thought that Reputation was going to be a prestige album um, that would bring in some Grammys for her. Um, it, it did not. Um, you know, <laughs> I know that sounded cold, but it, it, it just didn't work. Uh, she was completely shut out of the Grammys. Um, but what it did do is it kind of set, set everyone up. Uh, so when the scandal hit, uh, Keeping Up With The Kardashians lost about half their audience. Now, I do want to say, and I specifically said this to Will as well, I don't know that the scandal had everything to do with the declining ratings. Um, Every show on TV, but particularly the Kardashians, had seen uh, a decline uh, of ratings um, for a while. Uh, But it uh, it is often very heavily theorized by TV insiders that... The Kardashian losing half their audience 
had a lot to do with the Taylor Swift audience, um, kind of tuning them out and, and hitting them in the pocketbooks. Um, famous, I don't remember if it charted or not, um, but I don't think it did. And Kanye hasn't had a, a, a song chart, uh, since the scandal, uh, and his 2019 gospel album failed to make any kind of impact. Uh, he is hoping for a comeback with uh, the new release Donda, um, which has been uh, really heavily speculated about recently. Um, and it's, it's heavily expected that um, he will be able to uh, obviously make a comeback and, and appeal again to the mass crowds. Uh, he just has to you know, produce a, a a major hit the way Taylor Swift did. <clears throat> um, Reputation is, I think, her lowest sellings album, uh, but then she followed that up with Lover, um, and then, uh, and then she followed that up with uh, Evermore and um, Folklore. Uh, so, she paid her penance and has been rewarded with uh, more number one CDs and um, hit singles than one person should have a right to have. Um, All right, I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I am back. And we're going to close out this episode talking about uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Um, Now... I just wanted to sit, put this out there up front. Um, it was by design that um, two big stories, two big celebrity stories, uh, were used as the opener and closer. Obviously, Britney's conservatorship is a really hot topic right now. Uh, and Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck Reuniting after 17 years uh, is uh, has been a really big story, uh, particularly uh, since she reunited with him just months after, um, just months after uh, her the end of her engagement to um. Uh, Adam Rodriguez. Um, sorry, but for whatever reason, I cannot think of his name. A Rod. Um, so, what? Um, first of all, let's just talk about Jenny from the Block. Um, this was actually a huge hit for J Lo. Um, probably one of, if not her most iconic song. Um, you know, anyone who, who knows J-Lo knows Jenny from the Block. Um, it came after uh, the album J-Lo. Uh, this, uh, it was the lead single off of uh, a CD called This Was Me Then. Um, and the CD was supposed to be a reflection of who she was. Uh, and so she kind of wanted to tell the story of you know, how she was from the Bronx and, you know, things just kind of happened for her and whatever, whatever. And it was all kind of cool. You know, it was, um, it was one of those things where you kind of understood, um, very early on that this was not necessarily uh, Jennifer Lopez being humble. Uh, She definitely wanted to be, she definitely wanted to brag, uh, but it also seemed like she wanted to uplift people. And, you know, I think there's something very commendable about that. But, you know, I can also see the reverse of this, where, um, you know, perhaps 
there was uh, some not so great um, aspects to, to doing it this way. So, a, a little bit about, about a little bit about the background. Her first CD, her uh, Jennifer's first CD was called "On the Six. Uh, and um, you know, basically, that was more of a you know dancey whatever. And it it sold well enough for her to um, be able to do a second CD. But a lot of people were like, mm, this is going to flop. So she released J-Lo, which is where she got uh, her now iconic nickname. And... It's also where she um, started dating P. Diddy. He remixed it for her, and it and the album sales went through the roof, which allowed her to do This Was Me Then. So, with Ginny from The Block, uh, this song, um, by this point, she had broken up with Diddy. She was now with Ben Affleck. Uh, they were a, a power couple of all power couples. And um, her career wasn't quite there. You know, she was still booking roles. She was still, you know, her singles would do well-ish. And what I mean is, you know, they would hit the Hot 100. Um, some of them even topped the Hot 100. But it wasn't as if, you know, people were sold. <clears throat> um... She wasn't necessarily at the height of her her fame. I think that would come years later. Uh, but she was doing well enough and, you know, definitely had a name. She was definitely a little spitfire. So, you know, she's with Ben Affleck. She's writing this song. And I think that there's a, a, a lot of um, unhappiness um, in the relationship. Um, with, in, in terms of writing the song, um, there are stories out on the internet and on the streets of New York where, uh, you know, he nixed a couple of things. Um, there was apparently one line about, uh, their relationship and he's like, yo, dude, no. No, no, don't do that. Um, and that kind of pissed her off because she's like, you know, hey. Um, but ultimately she saw things his way. Uh, and this, the, this kind of led to a fight between the two of them because he felt that she was using him to advance her acting and, and um, a singing career even as his faltered because he was he made two movies with her that bombed uh and he was the joke of the town so you know she was like whoa dude like slow your roll i was successful before you i'll be successful after you you know if you made shitty choices that's your fault uh and so uh eventually this, of course, led to them breaking up, and it also led to them, um, it led to them breaking up, and it led to them, uh, being at odds, uh, with one another, uh, and despite, uh, denials from both teams, there actually was a feud between them for, for a few years after the breakup, um, you know, Ben Affleck moved on to Jennifer Gardner, uh, married her and had children, which really peeved J-Lo, um, because she thought she was, uh, much more attractive than Jennifer Gardner, uh, and it made her look bad that he moved on, uh, so quickly. 
Uh, and that's when she started dating Casper Smart. Um, and there's lots of things that could be said about that. Um, but, um, you know, with the success of Jenny from the Block, she really solidified herself as a songwriter and a hit maker. Uh, and she uh, obviously remembered the, the good times that she shared with Ben Affleck. Um, the first time they were together, it was not um, a PR stunt like a lot of people thought it was. Uh, it was a real relationship. Um, this time, there's a... It could go either way. Um, we'll explore whether or not they're uh, a real couple um, in another episode. Uh, but in any case, with the reconciliation, perhaps we will get another Jenny from the Block iconic song from Miss J-Lo. <laughs> and hopefully Ben Affleck doesn't derail his own career again. One can hope. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, as always. Will and I truly appreciate you. And we're here. We do this for you guys. Uh, And until next time, cheers.